You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome back to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bose. So great to be with you today. I am not joined by Trish McFarland. She is uh, on assignment today, but we wish her well, and we will see her back on the show next week. I do want to thank everyone for joining us, and I do want to, of course, send out for uh, from Trish and from myself our, our best wishes that everybody's holding up well and hanging in there and doing uh, just doing the best you can through all this, and, and we're here with you, too, and um, we're just thinking about you and hoping everything's well in your world as well. We're good so far and uh, hope you are as well. A couple of quick things. I want to thank our show sponsors. Uh, first off, I want to thank Paychex. And before I sort of read the canned bit about Paychex, I, I do want to say I had a call with uh, our friends at Paychex today and what they're doing for their customers who are largely small business customers here in the United States who are really undergoing so much pressure and so much turmoil with the current crisis and the amount of information and support and how Paychex is giving to their customers is, it's really fantastic. And, you know, I spent about 45 minutes with them today talking about that and I'm just nothing but impressed with what they're doing for their customers. Uh, Paychex does, you know, Paychex understands that many business owners are going through a time of unprecedented uncertainty and are facing challenges like they never thought they'd face before. COVID-19 has introduced uncharted waters and has many organizations concerned about their business continuity, making their payroll, for God's sakes, and ensuring the health and safety of their employees, which is most important. Paychex is there to help, from helping you solve your cash flow issues, to managing state unemployment insurance, to navigating the new HR and regulatory environments. Paychex is there to support businesses through this turbulent time, and you can visit paychex.com to find out more about how paychecks can help. And our other sponsor is also doing incredible work in supporting uh, their clients and supporting the entire community, to be honest with you, and, and their work human. And this episode of the HR Happy Hour is also made possible by Work Human. Their solutions replace isolation with recognition, connection, and celebration. They help you to keep morale high by celebrating things like new babies, birthdays, much needed well wishes and all your special occasions with their life events. You can use uh, Work Human to give and receive continuous peer feedback, have regular check-ins between managers and direct reports, and set goals to stay aligned with conversations. Now, also really importantly, you can try all of these things free through March of 2021. So please visit welcome.workhuman.com to learn more. And Thanks so much to uh, our sponsors, Paychex and WorkHuman. And thanks to them, not just for being our sponsors, uh, for just giving back to the community and doing everything they can to help people work through these really, really challenging times. So with that said, we've got a really, really interesting show today. And I uh, want to welcome our guest today, Oscar Trimboli, who's up very early in the morning from the other side of the world. Oscar is on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world. He is an author, podcast host, and keynote speaker. He is passionate about using the gift of listening 
to bring positive change in homes, workplaces, and the world. Oscar has experienced firsthand the transformational impact leaders and organizations can have when they listen beyond the words. He consults with organizations and their teams to listen to what's unsaid by the customers and their employees. Oscar lives in Sydney, Australia with his wife, Jenny, where he helps first-time runners, and I'm going to ask him about that because I need help, and ocean swimmers conquer their fears and contributes to the cure for cancer as part of CAN2, a cancer research charity. Welcome, Oscar, to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you today, Oscar? G'day, Steve. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to listening to your questions and uh, hearing all about your running. Oh, it's awful, Oscar. So, we you know, all the, you know, the, the gyms are closed. And so I'm much like everybody else or many uh, of us, right? We've got to adapt to, you know, trying to get our exercise in, in basically in the house or what we can do, you know, close by to our home, right? Mm-hmm. Without the ability to, to get to to the gyms or other other exercise kind of venues we might want to choose. So yeah, I've been trying to pick up the 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 running. I, Oscar, I don't want to call it running. What I do, it, it, it jogging is a stretch. It, 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 but I, I feel like I'm getting slower. You know, I'm, I'm I'm going the same amount of distance. I can manage the distance, but it takes longer and longer. Is there any advice for? Uh, I don't want to you know cop to my age, especially, but a Gen Xer like myself to 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 manage through that that challenge. Uh, look at times like this. Compassion for yourself is just as important as compassion for others, Steve. So. Here's, here's a really simple rule of running. Uh, for every year of age you add on, you're probably going to lose about a second, a mile uh, off your running time. So it's not about speed. It's just about consistency. Get out, sure. get the legs moving over. You'll release yeah. some endorphins in your mind and that, that chemical will be a wonderful way for you to start or finish the day. You know, the yeah. big things that matter right now, for leaders out there that they can support their teams, for human resources professionals so they can support the organization, make sure you're clear about your nutrition, your hydration, and your exercise. And uh, one of the leading indicators of that is if you just explore with people, hey, how, how's sleep going for you right now? And listening to that answer, you're going to get to fear, frustration, and anxiety much quicker so you can have the deeper conversations about what's really holding people back i love the work of uh, work human and the recognition tools that are out there to help people cut through at the moment so i think you know just just asking people some really simple questions right now about exercise um that's a really good way to get to know what people either stuck with cabin fever and freaking out or they're figuring it out so yeah those simple questions about rather than ask people how they're going, maybe just uh, go a little bit, a bit further. You know, what, what does exercise mean to you right now? I was, I was talking to a client two weeks ago and uh, I spoke to her at 4 p.m. in the afternoon and I said, you know, how's, uh, how's your eating going? She goes, oh, my eating's fantastic at the moment. Since lunch, I've had three packets of Tim Tams, which are really rich chocolate biscuits and four espressos. So what do you think, Oscar? How do you think my eating's going right now? <laughs> so we, saw, we had a chat I about say, I don't know what Tim Tams are, but they sounded good. <laughs> yeah. Think, think about s'mores to the factor of 10. That, that would be the best way to think about Tim Tams. Yeah. 
Nice, nice. But I, I, you know, I'm, 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 as you were talking, Oscar, I actually wrote down my notes here. I always keep like a running well, a pad next to me while we record the shows and I'll write down a keyword or a little phrase or maybe something I want to follow back on. And as you were talking, I had written down the word sleep before you mentioned yeah. it. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, you mentioned sleep, which I thought was interesting too. Yeah, sleep. Sleep is a really good leading indicator for everybody at the moment about the connection between their mind and their body. You know, people who are sleeping well or sleeping poorly, that's a good leading indicator for where you need to be as a leader if you're listening at yeah. that level. You know, whether right now we're at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's about shelter. It's about belonging. It's about food and nutrition. It's about the most basic and fundamental thing. So a lot of the questions the leaders have been trained to ask are, are completely disproportionate and, in fact, quite unproductive at the moment. We need to get our questions right down at these really basic levels because people people are struggling. You know, they, they've got Zoom fatigue. You know, a lot of the clients I'm working with right now, they're, they're, they're frustrated with the lack of productivity in their teams. And I'm going... So you're expecting more than 30% productivity at the moment? And they went, huh, 30%? You know, we should be at 100%. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, you know, we've got kids being homeschooled with their parents and kids jumping across video conferences and parents struggling to figure out can they go to, can they go to the local supermarket to get food? Is that allowed? And how do they deal with their kids? And that's firing up very different neurons in the brain a lot of the more primitive parts of our brain are being activated right now as we start to test the edge of fear, anxiety, and frustration. So as a leader, your, your role is to understand some more basic and fundamental things. How are you creating a distinction between home and work at home? You know, some people don't have the choice of having a separate room for working from home. Some people may be working in a kitchen where their kids are also being homeschooled. Some people may be living with their parents and there aren't barriers there as well. So I think at the moment, uh, another really productive question right now is always, you know, hey, what song sums up what you're going through right now? And uh, that's been fun for me to ask my clients that. And uh, sometimes they've they've got very high tempo music that they talk about sometimes they've got more low tempo or, or, or classically orientated movies sometimes it's a really energetic song um talking uh, a lot about impact or energy and sometimes it's a really reflective song but it gives you a really quick window into where they're at Steve, there's two people right now in the world. If you had to kind of draw a distinction, there are people saying my world is going to change and then there are people saying my world has changed. And I think if we listen there, we can meet them where they're at. Neither is right or wrong, but if we listen to what their response is when they kind of describe their orientation to this change, we can as leaders adapt the way we engage with them to meet them where they're at rather than where we're at as a leader. You know, for myself, I I always joke that I'm flip-flopping between freaked out and figuring it out, and that could be just (laughs) in the same thought, right? But I think for a lot of us, just listening a little bit beyond those superficial words and, and how you're going is a very polite way to start a conversation. But I think getting down to sleep and exercise and nutrition and hydration 
Sure. And the physical surrounds is a really good way for leaders to be useful right now. Yeah. Oscar, I want to step back just a half step or maybe a full step, uh, if you will, because I, I, you've talked about um, listening and, and talked about some of the questions that might be useful to ask of people right now, especially in these times. And I suspect you've thought about listening more than most people have and have um, thought about it more about how it can be uh, how we can get better at it. And, and then become better, better leaders, better employees, better partners, better friends, et cetera. I, I'd love for you to talk just a little bit about, you've got this concept or this term called deep listening that you talk about a lot. I'd love for you to just talk about that a little bit, maybe describe what that means and, and maybe share with our listeners why you, you feel it's an important uh, concept to, to understand and to embrace. We understand the neuroscience of listening. I speak at 125 words a minute, Steve but I can think it up to 900 words a minute. So the likelihood the first thing I say is what I mean is about 11%. So the difference between active listening, which people may have heard about. Active yeah, listening I've heard of that term, the, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of making sure you listen to what people say. It's, it's paraphrasing what they say and confirming what you understand by what they say. Deep listening, on the other hand, is about listening to those other 800 words that people haven't said already so you can get to the meaning of what they're trying to say much faster. So most of us listen in black and white. We listen one-dimensionally. We listen to what people say the first time. And our chance of success in any of those conversations is about 11%. Mm. So you'll you'll get the same kind of odds going to a roulette wheel in Las Vegas. <laughs> so most of us who have conversations with people while we're engaging in a dialogue and listening to them, we'll just be dealing with 11% of what they're thinking. Deep listening is going a step further. Just to double your listening productivity and listen to the next 125 words, that's why when I say deep listening is impact beyond the words, it's starting to listen a little bit further. Deep listening is also designed to ensure that as a listener, your job is not to make sense of what they say. Your job as a listener is to help them make sense of what they think. So for a lot of the work that we do it's helping leaders just to take a little bit longer at the beginning to listen what they haven't said. So you could almost switch off this podcast, and I'm not going to encourage you to do that, but no, if, you really understand, <laughs> if you really understand the neuroscience of 125 speak and 900 think, that is the key concept that most people don't understand about listening. So if you understand that you're going to be listening to only 11% of what somebody says the first time, then it's incumbent on us as life partners, as leaders, as managers, as parents, as leaders in our community, just to spend a little bit more time to just be curious a little bit longer and ask that extra question. Oscar, are there some, I don't know, techniques or strategies um, that can help us do that? Because I it makes sense to me the way you've described it. And often I've thought that where... Maybe I've asked someone, maybe in a work context, say, for example, I, I've asked someone for, you know, or just checked in with them. Hey, how's it going? Mm -hmm. uh, how's this project going or that project going? And they might say, oh, you know, I've completed this task. I've talked to this person and I feel I've created this spreadsheet. And, and maybe there's, a, there's another thing that I know probably needs to be done. 
and they didn't mention it, right? So it's pretty clear, like, there's maybe an issue with that that fourth task that they they failed to mention. And I suspect, though, what you're talking about is not quite that simple. It, it it's, but I would love for you maybe to help us, um, if you can, to to maybe give an example or or sort of describe how we might. Uh, be better able to understand, say, those other 800 words that 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 maybe weren't said. Yeah, th- this shows up in one-on-one dialogue as well, but it also shows up in in team meetings, and it also shows up in in systems, enterprise, social networks where where people might be posting online, Slack, mm-hmm. and workplace, and Teams, and all these other systems as well. So I'll give you an example from from each of those to okay, be helpful. Great. Uh, in in a one-on-one dialogue, here's three key phrases you can use consistently to help them explore a little bit further. And you'll always notice that they'll pause when you use these phrases. They'll also draw in breath. They'll take in a deep breath because they're connecting to some thoughts that are a little bit deeper in their mind. Because for most people, their thoughts are like a a clothes washing machine in wash cycle. It's very agitated. It's very sudsy. There's lots of movement, but it's it's stuck. And Mm. when we speak, it's like the rinse cycle and everything becomes clearer for us when we speak. So here's the three phrases. The The first one is simply, tell me more. Okay. The next one is, what else? And the third one by far the most potent and the least used in the West and the most used in the East. So Eastern cultures like the Chinese, Koreans, Japanese use this phrase really skillfully. So it's really critical that you listen for this one. And it is silence. Oh, I was waiting for it. Because I I I wrote down the first two, Oscar. I was waiting for the third one. So in the West, we have all this language called the pregnant pause, the awkward silence, the deafening silence. Yet in the East, a silence is a sign of wisdom. It's a sign of authority. It's a sign of respect. And if we just bit our tongue and waited a little longer, count 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, it's very likely that the person will draw breath and they'll use these magic phrases. Steve, let me know if you've heard these before. They'll Mm -hmm. go... You know what? What we, what I should have said was, or they'll say, actually, what's really most critical about this is all. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm, now that I've thought about it, can we focus on this? So, have you ever been in a situation yeah. where you have been patient with yourself and they have drawn breath and they have said that? Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I, I think I've tried a little bit of these. Uh, I don't want to call them tactics. If I, I don't know if that's the right word, but um, I, I've tried that a little bit in, in some interactions I've had, whether they're verbal conversations, as we're talking about, like a one-on-one, or even even sometimes. In, and I know you mentioned you wanted to talk about some kind of social networks and slacks and things like that, and those other kinds of, of workplace communication tools. But like, like what? And this is maybe tangential, but I'll just I'll say it because I, I just thought about it was sometimes you'll get into these um, uh, conversations, usually via email, honestly, in a workplace context, where someone will ask five different people for advice or an opinion. Or uh, mm. do, you like, do you like design A better or B better? Or should we write the, should we write the new uh, uh, advertisement this way or that way, right? And, and if it gets mm. sent to five people, then 
in theory, we talk about the efficiency of that, but the five people want to uh, chime in. I always try as best I can to wait. I want to be the last person to answer, to, to give my opinion, because I feel like if I wait for the other four people to give their answer, then I've got perfect knowledge. Right? I know what everybody thinks, right? And and I can you know, contribute whatever I really think, but but I have more knowledge. I have more information and I have more kind of, uh, I don't know, control even maybe is a way to say it, but I'm not sure that's exactly what you're talking about, but it's um, it's something I've done a lot in, in my life, but uh, maybe it's a bad habit, but uh, I thought a, about a, it anyway. It's a, it's, a, it's a useful way for you to approach it. And I think if you and I were having a chat and that email came through, well, one of the questions are, uh, I would often ask leaders to explore is leaders who are more productive and more skillful and get the most out of the teams are always orientated around the how and the process rather than the what and the content. So in that beautiful example that you used, I can completely relate to that mm. at the moment because I'm going through a book design process. And the question you might want to pose earlier to the group rather than a random generation of ideas is, ask the person who's proposed this, how will you use this information or how will you make a decision or how will we make a decision or how will this content be used when we decide that moves the thinking of the group away from an individual and a task content orientation to a more systemic orientation and the power of that is multiplied really quickly. So you could short circuit a bunch of emails being spawned out at an exponential rate by simply asking the originator of that email, uh, how will you use this information mm -hmm. or what decision are you looking to make as a yeah. result of these things? Yeah. And, and that moves the group to think very differently about how they provide input. That means the orientation is about the system or the process is part of as well as the content and the thinking of that individual as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of jumped to my own personal example, but I, I, I love example a phrase one and two, tell me more and what else, right? Mm. Uh, Open-ended questions, encouraging the person to share more, right? And, and, the, and the way you, those, they don't come off as confrontational, right? Like, cause there's, there, there are different ways to ask those questions that, that seem adversarial. But that's not mm. the way you're phrasing them, right? You're, you're phrasing them more as you want them to open. You're encouraging the person to open up to you a little bit more. Yeah, and look, that could be confrontational. What else? As opposed to, hmm, well, the else? way you said it, it didn't feel confrontational to Correct. me. Like it definitely, yeah, it, de yeah, it definitely felt and, more and, like uh, what else? You know, and, what else? What, how yeah, else? And having, oh, almost like yeah. Go ahead. Having worked with a lot of linguistic academics, uh, something to keep in mind for leaders, and and they often think that they are asking questions, but in fact, they're just creating statements with inflection points if they're speaking it. And they think a, a question is going a long dialogue with, with some question at the end of it. The linguists are always say questions that have more than five to seven words are immediately biased questions. So the more neutral your question, the shorter the question is, the closer to five to seven it is. So whether you're posting a question on an enterprise social network or you're asking the team a question in a team meeting or you're asking that in a one-on-one, -on -one, five to seven words takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of care and thought 
five to seven forces you into neutrality. It also forces you into questions that are not about you and your opinion, but it's typically about the context, the system, the output, and what this work is being created for. Too many of us are so keen to show how smart we are, we want to ask smart questions. So those questions, those very simple questions, what else, and tell me more, are so simple. And people would say, oh, Oscar, that's too basic for me to use. And just like running, Steve, doing the basics is going to get you really small incremental improvements. So in running, if you focus on visualizing the circle that your ankle is making when you run, the more you think about that little motion, which is right at the bottom of your foot, if you think about the ankle and then think about the ankle going in a circle, you can get about a 4% improvement in your running efficiency doing that. And also, if your elbows are going straight back when you're running rather than boxing and your fists are coming across your body, you're actually twisting your hips, that gets you 7% efficiency. And it's the same with these simple questions, really basic incremental improvements, but with a discipline to do them consistently, you're going to get a much bigger impact and you're role modeling these for your teams and then you'll start to hear your team starting to use these phrases. Steve, I just want to come back to listening to the team. So if I work with a leader, the thing I can always say, show me your team meeting agenda and I can show you the leader. So whether that agenda is lined up to more significant corporate strategies and pillars of whether how the time's allocated, who's in the meeting. It's a beautiful diagnostic tool. Just give me the agenda of your team meeting. I can tell you what kind of leader you are. I was I was working with a leader of a of a company. It was in 2014. It was a spring day in it would have been about September, but I was in this really narrow room that was really dusty and the air conditioning didn't work too well. And it was a one-day planning meeting and there were 14 people in this room, 13 men, one lady, and it was 5 to 12. And the reason I knew it was 5 to 12 is the CEO was tapping his watch and tapping the table and pointing to me and giving me the five-minute signal. (laughs) And we'd just done this exercise, which was simply, if this organization was an animal, what sort of animal would it be? And basically, the group had clustered around the organization was a bird of prey, it was an osprey, it was an eagle, it was a vulture, it swooped, it moved fast, it adapted, it's all these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yet one person hadn't spoken. And it was a card-carrying member of the introvert community. And the reason you know they're a card-carrying member of the introvert community, I always say, put your hand up if you're an extrovert. And then I say, I said, put your hand up. I didn't say stand up. So that's what typically (laughs) the extroverts will do in that example. And then I'll say, put your hand up if you're an introvert. And probably the rest of the group will do that. But the real introverts will never out themselves. They'll never put their hand up. And Elaine was one of these. And at 5 to 12, the CEO was almost looking at me with laser beams from a comic strip going straight into my eyes going, you will finish at noon because we've got food coming in. Well, I I gestured to Elaine just by reaching out my palm. I didn't say anything. I didn't make eye contact. And 
just say to her, you know, we'd love to hear from you, is, is what the hand gesture was. And she simply said, I thought it was obvious. I thought we were a snake. And the tension in the room ratcheted up. And Steve, right now, what's going through your mind? What are the characteristics of a snake from your perspective? It's sort of like laying weights, kind of uh, blend into the environment and then suddenly strike, right, when the time is right. But uh, mm. I'm thinking of an angry type of a snake. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. And in the West, that's how most people think of a snake. It goes back to a story in in religious literature, the origin story of man. They were tempted by a snake in the Garden of Eden and all these negative consequences. So I just started to move towards Elaine because she stopped at that point and you could hear the room was getting really frustrated. So I just moved myself closer to her as if to provide support to say, you know, tell, tell us more. I, I was very careful not to make eye contact. I was very careful not to make her feel like she had to say anything. And what she said next completely changed the room. She said, we've forgotten to be like a snake. Every season a, sh a snake sheds its skin. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. And all of our processes and all of our systems, we've forgotten how to adapt and shed mm. our processes that aren't useful for our customers. She also said, unlike what we did in the early days, we were like a snake and we would use our tongue to sense ahead and anticipate things for our customers and we've forgotten how to do that. And you could feel the tension like a balloon emptying itself in the room, just mm -hmm. the ripple and the murmur. What happened next was amazing. We didn't stop talking about this till 1236. <laughs> the CEO... The CEO wasn't hangry. He wasn't pointing at his watch. He wasn't okay. doing anything. He was deeply engaged in this conversation. How many leaders out there take the time to listen to everybody in their meeting? Now, I could have easily gone to lunch, ignored right. the card-carrying member of the introvert community. What happened after lunch was amazing. They had uh, agreed to adopt Snake as a theme for their products. They had beanie beanie toys of all different snakes and um, products and projects were all codenamed after snakes and they integrated this snake metaphor into their sales process and started to see an uptick in growth. Now, the bit I haven't told you about Elaine, Steve, mm -hmm. is her background is from China. Okay. And, and as a result, they have a very different relationship with a snake than the Westerners do. But the point of the story is, are you listening for different perspectives and are you doing that deliberately and consistently or are you just rushing to the fastest answer because the meeting agenda said we had to finish at 12 o'clock? Yeah, that's a great – I was like, really, that was a great, that was a great uh, story, Oscar. I was like, you know, uh, usually on the show it's a lot of, you know, we just talk and banter back and forth. This was like one of those rare ones where I was like sort of pulled up to the front of my seat a little bit to like, how's this, how's this going? Where's it going to go? So, um, uh, but I think a great point, right? It's um, often that we, we fail to recognize uh, folks uh, like Elaine in this story, right? Because it's, we've got to encourage them. We've got to make sure that they're able to be heard. We've got to be, we've got to make sure that we're, we're willing to listen to them as well. Oscar, there's one thing um, going back just a few minutes ago, I just wanted to touch on only because, 
kind of in the in in the situation most of us are in now, right? Lots, you know, everybody's working from home, and uh, I, I read some I read some data from uh, one of the uh, kind of video conferencing platform tools and mm. one of the other kind of meeting kind of collaboration tools that were actually in their in their their customer set. They're um, they're actually seeing an uptick in the number of meetings that are being scheduled. Like mm. oddly enough, right? Like it, it, we're scheduling more meetings with each other. Uh, as groups and in groups, right, when we're all dispersed all over the place than we did in the office. And, and I know you, you, uh, you said you had some thoughts about how to to get, again, to this other, um, you know, 800 words that are not spoken. And I feel like that's got to be a little bit tougher in this digital communication uh, context. Of the world. Maybe not so much in the video meetings, right, because you can still see someone, you're still having a dialogue, but, but maybe in the kind of just the text-based, chat-based, you know, team group, types of settings is is it are there some ad- advice you you offer or just some ideas we can have to make sure we're really understanding and really listening to people when we're we're basically sending each other endless text messages essentially so steve i just want to clarify because i think i heard about three questions in there i know i know um, i should get better at this i've only been at it 11 years and i should ask one question at a time i apologize so of those, which ones would would you think would be most I, I, useful? I guess just in the in in the digital, uh, if we're you know the Slack world, the Teams world, whatever the tool is, and yeah, how can we make sure we're we're you know really hearing people or understanding what people are are, are trying to communicate in, in those environments? Yeah, thank you, thank you for the clarification. And when we think about engaging in Slack channels, when we think about engaging in Yammer sites and team sites and Facebook for workplaces and Salesforce chatter and all these tools, a uh, context gets lost very quickly in these kinds of communications. And again, it's incumbent on the leader. And there's amazing research for this. A, a, a question posed on an enterprise social network will get between 10 and 25 times more engagement than a statement from the leader. So I would encourage leaders who are in these conversations, don't force the conversation in its early stages to a quick conclusion. Ask the group to explore through the lens of what and how questions, um, why questions are very judgmental, by the way, so mm-hmm. whether I talk to suicide counsellors or FBI hostage negotiators, they all say why questions may be useful for setting strategies, why questions may be useful for the five whys methodology. But in terms of uh, a conversation between humans that doesn't have that anything other than an organic structure, of your dialogue should be the leader posing questions and the kinds of questions they should be posing are how questions and what questions. So an example of a how question might be, how can I as a leader help you make a decision here? Or what's going to be most useful for our customers? Or what would be most useful when we think about the perspective from a regulator's point of view? So for a lot of us in those contexts, our role is to actually expand the thinking, not to narrow it down. And the fastest way for us to do that is to pose questions. Now, that can be original posts. So as a leader, you might go, hey, 
I'm really struggling at the moment with the frequency of meetings and how we should have meetings at the moment. What does everybody else think should be a good number of meetings? Or you might pose a question, what is the ideal length of our team meeting going forward? Mm -hmm. I think posing those questions basically acknowledges to the group that, hey, your opinion matters and I'm, and I'm going to integrate it in there. So on, on these enterprise social networks, please, you can't always ask questions, otherwise that becomes a bit boring. But your, your very simple question there, Steve, about, okay, so we don't bump into each other as much electronically as we do physically. So yes, of course, we're going to have more meetings that are formal because we need this structure. Yeah, a good tip point. I would, I would tip I would give the leaders right now, um, this phrase, if you've got any questions, just ask me, you're setting your system to fail. What you're doing is imposing a hierarchy. And when you're under exponential threat from an external source, which is what's happening for us right now, you need a very strong network that's horizontal as well as vertical. So if you've got any questions, let's ask each other is going to be a more powerful way to sustain okay. the team and organisation you're part of because a really basic thing could happen. If you say to everybody, if you've got any questions, just ask me, what happens when you get sick? As opposed to training your team, hey, if you've got any questions, let's ask each other and you're going to set up peer-to-peer -peer networks. You can do that formally or informally and the group can sustain and support itself no matter how many nodes get eliminated from the system. So that's a really critical thing for leaders to think about at this time when we're thinking about leadership redundancy in our systems. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that suggestion. And it's, uh, yeah, I've, I've often heard that, that, you know, the, whether it's a presentation, a meeting, et cetera, a leader kind of chatting with people that, that question of like, uh, do you have any questions, right? Is the, that, you know, basically the answer is yes or no, right? And that's the mm -hmm. worst way to approach it. Uh, I have heard that in the past. Um, Oscar, I, I do uh, want to be cognizant of your time, our time, everyone's time. Um, lastly, I would say, is there one or two, you know, just pieces of advice or resources uh, you would want to share with our audience who's, you know, primarily folks who are dealing with some, you know, struggling a little bit right now, right? Organizations all across our country, certainly, you know, undergoing tremendous challenges, lots of people challenges, lots of um, business challenges. Is there one or two things that can help us just really connect with each other, listen and hear each other better um, when we really, really need to right now? Three quick tips, and you can find these all at listeningquiz.com. But the three tips I would say to everybody is tip number one, the most important person to listen to is yourself. You can't listen to anybody else if you've got a radio station playing a completely different frequency in your mind. So we've researched and continue to research 1,410 listeners in the workplace across individual contributors, managers, leaders, and executives. And the number one thing they struggle with is distraction. Electronic devices, the chatter in the head before the meeting, the chatter in the head during the meeting. So number one, learn to listen to yourself. And the fastest way to do this is with tip two and three. Tip number two, take three deep breaths before you go into a conversation. I know it sounds really simple, but trust me, it'll work. Mm -hmm. In through your nose, all the way down to your lungs and then out through your mouth. Steve, funnily enough, exactly the same way you should be breathing while you're running. 
I know, I need that help, yep. (laughs) And tip number three, stay hydrated. The brain is 5% of the body mass, yet it consumes 26% of the blood sugars. Listening takes place in the most modern part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, which consumes the most sugars. And for all of us, if all we did was drink a glass of water for every half an hour of a conversation, it would completely transform the way we were able to be present and listening. So tip number one, know you're going to be distracted and have two tactics to get around it. Breathe deeply three times and drink water. And if you visit listeningquiz.com, you'll find all those tips and the science behind it and the research that's supported by those 1,410 listeners we've been tracking for the last two and a half years. Oscar, that is great. That is great. In fact, that's great advice for lots of elements of life, I would say, is right. Is Take a moment, take some breaths, make sure you, you know, you've had some water, you you understand uh, yourself a little bit better. Uh, That's good advice, probably for, probably before I did this podcast, maybe I probably should have taken some of that advice. But uh, (laughs) Oscar, I've had a load of fun in this conversation. I hope you have as well. And I appreciate you getting up very, very early in your part of the world for, for doing this with us today. Definitely been the highlight of my week, Steve. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I was going to say highlight of the day, but you, 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 it's still like 6 a.m. there. But uh, no, I appreciate that. Um, uh, I have listeningmyths.com, Oscar, as well, to for folks to learn more about you and what you do and how they can connect with you. Um, yeah, listeningmyths.com. Both, both of those will get you to the same things. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic stuff. Um, I do want to uh, thank our sponsors once again, our friends at Paychex and our friends at WorkHuman for just what they're doing. Of course, their support for us, their support for their customers and their support for their communities um, as well. They're just doing wonderful things. So please do uh, check them out and we thank them once again. Um, and I thank you too uh, for, for checking us out too. Uh, one of the things is everybody's routines have been disrupted a little bit and I do hope that uh, doing the regular HR happy hour shows is one part of the normal routine that we keep doing that uh, hopefully uh, you guys appreciate as well. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, tweet at us at HR happy hour, or you can check us out at hrhappyhour.net, or you can send me an email, steve at h3hr.com. Uh, once again, I want to thank our guest today, Oscar Trimboli uh, for Trish McFarlane. My name is Steve Bose. Thank you so much for listening to the HR happy hour show. We will see you next time. And bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.